Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. That in baptism, the story of Christ becomes our story. Not because we're working really hard to be like Jesus, but because Jesus comes down and links arms with us. In other words, to discover the life of Jesus, to be fascinated by Jesus and to learn about Jesus and to understand Jesus and to walk with Jesus is in some mystical way to discover my own life. That Jesus is sort of the paradigm of all humanity, and when we allow our lives to be shaped by him, we too kind of walk in what humanity was intended, not in judgment and punishment and sin, but in faith and hope and love. This is why it's so important that disciples of Jesus, people really want to be shaped by Jesus, be fascinated by the words of Scripture. Because Scripture is the only thing that we are given to know the stories of Jesus, And it is the primary way that we come to discover the rhythms and the values and the convictions of Christ. We take it seriously and we take it slowly. It's the kind of reading that one author says enters the soul and as food enters our stomachs, it spreads through our blood and becomes holiness and love and wisdom. And because we care about the story of Jesus, because it is our story, We should also, therefore, care about all of its facets. You know, sometimes, and and I catch myself doing this, sometimes the message from the pulpit week after week, I've heard this and I do this, is be like Jesus, be like Jesus, be like Jesus, which most of us would say, amen, that's what we should do. But there does come a point at which we're like, wait a second, Jesus just performed a miracle, what exactly would you like me to do? We've all been there, right? I'm not taking it off the table. I've seen things happen. But we also understand it's a certain amount of foolishness to say, go be like Jesus in moments like this. It holds up neither to wisdom nor to our experience. Now, sometimes it's the people around Jesus. It's the other characters in the story who have more to teach us. This quick reading from Jonah today is one of those readings. Jonah is not the guy to follow in this story. Surprisingly, it is the people of Nineveh. It is, quote unquote, the worst people you've ever known who do the right thing. What a surprise. And this is the beauty of Scripture, yes? But when we pay attention to the whole story, to all the characters, not only do we come to understand Jesus better, we also understand how Jesus will impact our lives. We start to make sense of our own experience as we consider our experience in light of Christ's work in us. So sometimes we're like, you know what? This following Jesus is difficult. Why should it be so difficult? Am I not being obedient to Christ? And then we discover that to be around Jesus wasn't always smooth sailing. Paying attention to those around Jesus helps us make sense of our own experience. And so we should take an interest in all of the characters. And the good news of that is there's lots of failure, but there's even more of God's grace. So if we're looking at the big story and all the things and and the wonderful layers that Scripture gives us, if there's one person in the story of Jesus that you can look to as a faithful guide to experience follow Jesus faithfully, it is not Peter, it is not Paul, 
It is not John. It is not Matthew. It is not, it is not, it's not Mary Magdalene. It's not Mary. It's not Martha. If there's anyone in Scripture who is a consistently faithful guide to what it, what it means to be around Jesus, it's Jesus' mother, Mary. At every step, every story we get about Mary, we get two, two sort of facets of Mary. On the one hand, we get the fullness of Mary's humanity. Mary is very much like you and me. When the angel comes, she goes, how can this be? Like, what are you even talking about? We remember that when they took Jesus to the temple, and remember Jesus is off talking to all the scribes and teaching in the temple, and they leave and they forgot him. Like, I've watched this happen. I don't, I've watched this happen in church in real life. Like, Mary and Joseph are not terrible parents, but then they run back to Jerusalem, and Mary goes, how could you do this to your father and I? Like, she's so very human, but she's also so very full of conviction. To that same angel, she said, let it be done to me according to your word. I am the handmaid of the Lord. And after she found her son hanging out in the temple, it reminded us yet again that Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Full humanity and full faith. I'm not saying she was perfect, but Scripture gives us no story of her tripping over her own feet. And in this way, the ancient Christians called her, and this is lofty language, I appreciate that, but hang with me for a second. The ancient church spoke of her as the exemplar of the church. That she said, Mary is a type of what the church should look like when it does what it ought to do. With plenty of space for our humanity and plenty of space for a call to deep, transforming faith. And certainly, if Mary should be an example to anybody, it should be to a group of people like this who put her name on the sign when you pull in to the driveway. We should know a little bit about Mary and how she handles things, how, she, how her faith plays out. The funny thing about Mary is that we don't actually get a lot of stories about her, and her place in the Jesus narrative fades the further away we get from the nativity, sure. But I wanted, before we sort of left the nativity fully in the rearview mirror, I wanted to touch on one more place. Not a place of judgment or of pressure, but a place of joy. And that is, of course, this wedding at Cana. It's a great story. It's a great, like, it's, it's, it's a great story that like, afterwards you would tell at another cocktail party, be like, I went to this wedding, you're not going to believe what happened. All right, like it comes across with this kind of lightheartedness and, and, and it draws you into like how, like that is quite a story. But it goes this way. And I think, so I think the wedding has more to do with Mary than it does with Jesus because it says Mary, the mother, of, it says the mother of Jesus was there and oh, by the way, like almost like Mary, you're allowed to bring a guest. So she's like, oh, and by the way, Jesus and his disciples were there too. So I think this is Mary's person, not necessarily Jesus's person, if you understand what I'm saying. Like we've all been there. We're like, oh, I'm going to be the guest at a wedding. Okay. So Mary knows this couple really well. And it says the party is rolling and they run out of wine. This is obviously embarrassing. It would be embarrassing for us. It was super embarrassing back then for reasons I won't dive into. But like, this is a bad situation. Now Mary, and ladies, I got to tell you, this is where I have so much respect for you. Mary is paying attention to what's actually going on in the room. All right? 
all the dads are doing one of two things. They're either dancing like John Harbaugh was last night, like completely oblivious to what's going on. Yeah, you saw these clips? All right, they're either doing that or they're like, I cannot take all these people at the same time. I cannot take the loudness. So they're out by the barn getting a smoke like, or something like that. So the dad, there's no dudes paying attention to anything. No, it's Mary, the mother. This is what you all do. And thank you for doing that for us ladies. And so she goes to Jesus and says, can you do something about this? And Jesus basically says, not my problem. He's got a little teenager left in him, if you'll permit me. <laughs> little too big for his, my time has not yet come. Slow down there, Savior of the world, all right? We're here at a party. This is one of my questions for Mary when I get to heaven. Like, what was your thought process when your son says, not my problem? But Mary, mom, says, do whatever he tells you. Says that the sermons do that. So Jesus finds these six stone jars, which it tells us are used for the ritual washing, which you're like, ritual sounds very, well, it, it is very significant, but it was also very ordinary. It was just something that you would do prior to eating. You would wash ritually. It's an appropriate thing to do. And Jesus tells the servants, <clears throat> excuse me, to fill them up, and it tells us they fill them to the brim. These guys are all in. And they take it to the host, and he tastes it. It's remarkable. And, every, and then he exclaims, everyone gives the good and then the bad, because you're trying to hide all the bad stuff. He says, no, you saved the best for last. It is the highest of high compliments of Jesus. And John tells us, this is a first glimpse of Jesus' glory. Not judgment, not cross, not sin, just simple joy in the minutiae of life. The core of this story is this. Christ is involved, friends, in the details of our lives. The little things you think God doesn't care about, Christ takes incredible interest in. This story is not a life-threatening story. It's not a relationship-destroying story. It's an embarrassing story. But nobody's life was on the line in this story. Again, it's the minutia of an event. But Jesus cares after he gets over this teenage kind of thing going on. But Jesus gets involved in the details of our life. And how does he get involved? Simple obedience. Fill the jars. Our habits, our rituals, our defining moments, the things that we do, the things that make us who we are, that are filled with water, the ordinary things. We have things that make us who we are, but they're so wonderfully and beautifully ordinary. Christ takes those things in our lives and turns the water of our lives that we hand over to him and trust into the very best wine of meaning and purpose. Your ordinariness, God is turning into something extraordinary when we are obedient. And that is gospel. What, this is what Christ is doing right now in your life. He did it last week. He will do it in the week to come. He did it in, on your worst day and he is doing it on your best day. And the purpose of being transformed is joy. Christ is doing this so that we might have, that our joy might be complete. That's the gospel. But the issue isn't, is Christ doing this? Christ does it whether you want him to or not, whether you care or not, whether you have faith or not. This is what Christ is doing in your life. But for disciples... Again, coming back to us, the people who care about following Jesus, there's still a question. 
Well, how can I know? How do I allow this life to flow through me and in me more fully? Like, Pastor, you're telling me that God's doing this in me all the time, and so maybe I'm tripping over myself. Can I be more intentional about the places where Christ's life flows through me? And that is where Mary is our exemplar. The fulcrum of this whole story is, of course, Mary. Mary desires joy for the couple. Mary trusts that her son can bring that joy about. She brings that need to Jesus, and she offers instruction, do whatever he tells you. Mary, exemplar of the church, shows us what the church is called to do. Christ is working in people's lives to bring meaning and purpose and joy. We, as a community, are called to desire deep life for others, trust that Jesus is at work, point people to Jesus by bringing that need to Christ and inviting others, not demanding, but inviting others to live into the obedience of their ordinariness and giving themselves to Christ. Mary gives us a picture of how all this works and how our minds are opened up to what Christ is doing in our lives. But to capture this, I wanted not to just give you words. I wanted to give you an image. Fellas, if you could pull that image up for me. There we go. It's a religious icon. It's a picture of Mary and her child. This is called the Hadegetria. It's Russian, and I've studied some languages. Russian is not one of them, so forgive me. The Hadegetria. But I love this image because for me, in so many ways, it captures this flow of the wedding of Cana. It is organic. It is so wonderfully organic like Mary. Like, where I start this is in her eyes. Her eyes feel like a mother's eyes, tired and proud. Tired and proud. Mama sees some things. My mamas know what you're talking My mamas know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. But she's proud of the son and confident in who he is. And we have a son here. There's a sense in which he's lively and unpredictable, sitting on her arm, and any one of us who have ever carried a child in our arms know you're a half second from there being a real problem, and that kid trying to squirrel away. There's an there's a energy built up here for me. And he's filled, not just with energy, but with love for his mother. His eyes are turned back on her. And so this icon takes us on a journey. Takes us on the journey that Mary just took us through on the wedding of Cana. Start with her eyes. Because that's the first thing that grabs me. Her eyes are kindly and inviting. She's not addressing Jesus. She's addressing us. She's inviting us in. She says, listen, I have something I want to share with you. Listen to me. She's asking us for a conversation with her. She sees things and wants us to see things as well. And the artist has designed this. So our eyes go from the mother's eyes down to her hand. And her hand makes nothing more than a simple gesture back to her son. She simply says, go here. Go here. Pay attention to my son. We might almost hear in the back of our minds, just do whatever he tells you. It is a gesture of trust 
and it is a gesture of intercession. She's collecting up what we're bringing to this image and saying, give it over to him. Do what he tells you. And then we have Christ. Christ, who's sitting there in an active position, ready to act on our lives, but he also makes a gesture, doesn't he? We close the circle here. He makes a gesture back to his mother. Jesus is always gesturing back to real people. Real people, authentic needs. And in a sense, he's saying, there's no way to love me if you don't love the person that is right next to you. And then find, and, and there's way more in this than that, but I simply want to acknowledge sort of the circle that now we have now created in this artwork. The mother's eyes to the mother's hand pointing to Jesus. Jesus pointing back to his mother who invites us in again. And in this way, we start to get a picture. Mary gestures to Christ, and Christ gestures back to Mary. St. Mary's, in this story and in this image, we have a very simple way of understanding the spiritual life that we are called to cultivate. We begin like Mary did, and not in this picture, but there's other pictures of Mary cultivating, nurturing Christ's presence in us, in our very guts, to be pregnant with Christ's presence in us, <clears throat> and to gently, then to then, bear him to the world, and then to gently, kindly see the world around us. See the need around us. See the concern around us. See the brokenness around us. And to let our hearts be moved. And what do we do when we see that? To simply gesture them to Christ. Come and see, as Jesus said to his apostles. Just come and see. Mary does not gesture back to herself. Mary doesn't say, come to church. Mary says, come to Christ. Draw near to him. Listen carefully and do whatever he tells you, not as a command, but an invitation. And bring him your ritual jars and your water. Give to God the rhythms and the ordinariness of your life, your morning routine, your commute, your work, your hobbies, your relationship, yes, even your time. Give them to Christ and watch him turn them into moments of wine. And Christ then, as he builds our life in us, will always point us back to others. As I have done for you, so now go and do to others. To put a fine point on it, worship to obedience to service. Why? All for joy. All for the wine at the end of this journey. That is the life of the church that is committed to the story of Christ. So we say goodbye to Mary in some ways after the story. Mary shows up elsewhere. She's at the cross. She is also at Pentecost, but she never says a word. These are the last recorded words of Mary. Do whatever he tells you. The Bible in this way is so remarkably blunt. Just do whatever he tells you. But there's beauty in that. Such trust in her son to hand off the realities of our lives to his strong and certain hands. And so my invitation for you today is to take those ordinary things and, and Mary and the church gestures to us. Take them to Christ. And our invitation to others is, come again, not to invest in church. Our responsibility is simply to point them to Jesus. Trust Jesus with these things and watch Jesus turn the water of our lives into the wine of purpose and meaning and love.
That's what sits in front of us as a church. It's no more, it's no more complicated than that. A simple gesture back towards Christ. Thank you, Mary, for reminding us of that in a scene that could have been embarrassing, could have gone sideways, but instead, we still tell to this day because of joy. And we still say, as we will say one day in our lives, can you believe that just happened? Can you believe what Jesus did?